I don't know how many of you uh, grew up uh, kind of in this, maybe in the same time period that I did. Uh, can you just hear Keith Lancaster when you hear that song? Is that all you can hear? And, and so when we're singing it under my breath, I'm always going, bah, 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 bah. Uh, we're, we're singing it, I can't help but do that. But um, I just want to read Psalm 63, because uh, it really meant a lot to me that we sang that song right before this lesson. This psalm transformed my life. If anybody asks for, like, what was a, a key moment in, in when you said, man, I'm giving my life to Christ, um, Psalm 63 is it. Um, this, this was the more, most transformative um, passage uh, for me um, for so many reasons. And so that song became uh, really crazy sacred to me. Um, most of the music I listened to when I was young was, was not a cappella. Um, it was probably, you know, it, it wasn't great music. Um, and uh, then once I, I, I fell in love with a cappella music, I became like some of you, some of you grew up like I did where you're listening to a cappella and you felt like you were sinning when you went off and listened to Michael W. Smith instead because... And I did that occasionally, you know, and, but I was obsessed with acapella and to this day, um, it holds a, a deep place in my life. And I found out why. It has nothing to do with instruments, not instruments, anything like that. Uh, I discovered why later. It was because most of their songs are just singing scripture and it's, it's the word of God and you're, you're meditating on it. And that's why it's so powerful. This is Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. I've seen you in your sanctuary and beheld your power, your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I think I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Um, it was so appropriate to what I wanted to talk about today. We're talking about moving forward in our lives. Next, the path of discipleship. Where is God taking me next? And last week we focused on ruts and grooves and this idea of God care. It helped me out of this thing that I'm in, but most of it was focused on here's what we can do when we're stuck. This week I actually want to focus on waiting on the Lord and maybe what we can do for others. Um, but sometimes you're in a position in your life. You're in a place in your life where honestly there is nothing you can do. You need God. You need Him to rescue you. You need Him to bring times of refreshing. Um, I was thinking about it. I wasn't in the class, but in Luke 15, when it talks about the different things that are lost, um, the lost coin and the lost sheep were in a position where they couldn't do anything. They needed someone to come rescue them. The lost son needed to do something. He needed to repent and come home. You know, and so that's the big difference in the two situations. And we're in both of those situations today. There are people that you want times of refreshing. We're going to be in Acts 3 in a minute. And the message there is you need to repent. There's something there that you need to turn your face back towards your God and come towards him. But for some of you, 
ooh, you're in a place where you're just waiting on God and I need you to pour that refreshing in my life. Um, I love taking care of plants. And uh, I, I have 10 plants in my house. And I'm a nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. Man, I water them every Monday. That's the thing. They get their water. I sing to them. Uh, I can, when one of them gives me a new little sprout, it's the greatest thing that could happen. I get excited about taking care of plants. It doesn't mean I'm great at it, but I, I love it. I love taking care of a yard. How many of y'all have taken care of a yard in Texas before? <laughs> or new, about half of you, or New Mexico. Here is so much fun. Because the grass is, is naturally green here. It's crazy weird how dark, beautiful green our grass is in spring. It's strange. You have to spend thousands of dollars for that color in Texas. Um, I got so excited here. This is going somewhere. I got so excited here because you can run outside in the park barefoot. That was nuts to me. I couldn't believe it. When I first moved to Colorado, I was like, you can walk outside barefoot and nothing's going to kill you. (laughs) Man, in Texas, we have these, I don't know whether you call them goat heads or stickers or birds. I don't know what you grew up calling them. But let me tell you, that'll end your life if you step on one of those. And you run out in a field, and we used to grow up playing soccer in the field or football or whatever, and you ran out there, and you got into a patch. Immediately, you, it's like running on glass. Then you fall to the ground, you, and then they're all over. It's, it's the worst. And uh, weeds and all that junk, it was so hard to take care of in Texas. And, and um, I came here, and I was like, man, this is a lot more fun. We just got, like, dandelions and things like that. But... Um, the reason I tell that story is because I was really touched by a thought um, in class this morning. Um, I was in there with the second and third grade. We're talking about um, the parables. We were uh, talking about when Jesus talked about um, a farmer king. And he sowed good seed. And, and then a villain came and he sowed wheat, uh, um, weeds in with the wheat. He, he sowed something that was evil. And with what was good. And, and, and of course, all the people that are upset about it, and they say, we, can we go and uproot this? Can we change the situation? He says, no, we're going to wait for the harvest at the end of the age. And, and I, I knew the parable, but I really, I don't think I've ever really applied that parable to what I see and what I experience. Because I said, wait, what is he saying here? He's saying that in God's kingdom, there are posers. In God's kingdom, There are people that are sucking the life out of people. Instead of encouraging and nourishing and refreshing people. There are people doing evil. Instead of what's good. Now what I want to say here is is I've been both. I've been that that soul sucking. I know what that is. But I was thinking about that. How many people, like when I I talk to day to day to day, how many people I talk to, I'm not going to that church. I'm not interested in that because I know what Christians do. This is what I've I've experienced. This is what I know about it. And I'm like, they judged the entire crop because of the weeds. And I had the same frustration that the disciples had when they said, why on earth don't you take them out? If somebody's sucking the life out of your people, they're hurting Take it out. And he says, and, and, and the parable is saying this, I know men's hearts, and only I know men's hearts. The problem is I'm not capable of doing that task. I could never go through this congregation and say, you're a good one, you're a bad one. <laughs> um, but God knows our hearts. 
And so the reason I wanted to begin with that message is to say this. Um, The message I wanted to give you today was supposed to be a message of encouragement, and it still is. But in my mind, it's transformed less into encouragement and more into command. Um, That this isn't refreshing others and having that kind of spirit that it bears fruit and it builds up the lives of people around you. I'm not just encouraging you to do that. I'm telling you that's part of what makes us us is that spirit that's in us. Um, I'm going to be in Acts 3, and I want to just encourage you to turn there. It's, it's, it's a really cool but very difficult text, I believe. Uh, the situation is this. Um, Peter uh, t- kind of takes center stage at the beginning of Acts. And it's amazing that it's him because he's the one that just just prior to this was the one denying Christ. He's the one that said said he was the Christ. He made the great confession. Then he's the one that disowned him. Uh, he's gone through all of this. And now here he is walking in the temple courts among the same people. Now, this is important. Among the same people that just crucified Christ, he's there with the same crowds. This is the same place, the same crowds, and you're going to hear such direct language that relates to that. He's just healed um, a, a cripple that was, that was there at the beautiful gate. He, this has just happened, and now he's confronting the people. And he says something really profound. He says this, beginning in verse 14. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And then he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. There are so many um, elements to that verse. I'm going to come back to it in a second. I want to begin with refreshing um, about ruts and and places we're stuck in. But when I read that, I, I thought there are so many people in this room right now um, I was going through our church directory this last week, and I was lifting you up in prayer. I was lifting up just different families in prayer. And I was overwhelmed by how many people here have refreshed my spirit um, and how many people I look at that I want to say thank you to because of what I see in you and the work that I'm seeing done and the kinds of things that I'm, I'm seeing done. I've been overwhelmed like by that. And to kind of carry the analogy of this grass, this Texas grass that I was scared to walk out in, Um, church needs to be a place, God's kingdom needs to be a place where I feel safe taking my shoes off. It needs to be a place where I feel safe going out and saying, can I expose myself and not feel like someone is going to hurt me? Not feel like somebody is going to do something bitter, something to hurt me. Um, I I want this to be that kind of place. And I've been lifting you up in prayer. I was lifting up so many families here that desperately need what this message is about. And I'm just going to kind of go into a prayer with you, and I know that you know, if it's you, um, 
but maybe you desperately need a season of refreshing right now. Um, I'm thinking of individuals in here that I've been praying in tears. God, give them a season of refreshing. Build their spirit. Strengthen them. Um, Some of you are carrying weights. Some of you are carrying burdens. And the last thing you need is for a preacher to stand in front of you and say, get over it. Stop. Move on. Get out of your rut. It doesn't work that way. And you need God to give you a season of refreshing. And you need your brothers and sisters in Christ to give you a season of refreshing. And I just want to stop and ask for that from God. Father, you know every mind and every ministry and every heart that's in this room right now. Um, There are some amazing burdens. And there are some that are on the edge or have lost their faith, struggling in their journey. Um, And God, I know that even though some of us, I, I know myself, I need to repent from a spirit of laziness that will creep into my life. And there's things that I need to do. But guys, so often um, we're really just in a situation where the crops need rain. And there's nothing that the farmer here can do anymore. There's nothing, there's nothing that we can do. We just desperately need rain. We desperately need you. We need a spirit of refreshing to be poured out on us. And I'm asking God that you would, you would come and visit Families and those hurting in need, and that you would pour out on them um, a reminder of your love. Um, I'm asking God that you would bring the message of Acts 3 um, alive in us um, and in our body um, this year. That's in the name of Christ to come before you. Amen. Um, I was overwhelmed by. How many times I saw this message in Paul's letters. He said to uh, Stephanus, Fortunus, uh, Archaics, um, that they supplied what was lacking and they refreshed my spirit. He said, um, I was delighted to see Titus in 2 Corinthians because his spirit has refreshed all of you and me. He said to Timothy, may the Lord show mercy to the household of of Onesiphorus because he has often refreshed me. And Philemon, man, if there's one theme to the book of Philemon, it's refreshing. He says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. And then later he says to him, now refresh my heart again also. I need you to refresh me. And that's exactly what we're called to do as brothers and sisters in Christ. It says this in Proverbs eleven twenty four, and it's important that some of us hear this. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And so the first thing that I thought when I would come, I'm going to go back to Acts 3 in a second when I read this is the first thing I need to do is I need to repent. It says something here uh, in this verse. Uh, repent and turn to God so that sins may be wiped out, times of refreshing may come. And that's so true. Sometimes you're in a place, in a pit in your life, simply because there is a sin you will not let go of. You're holding on to it with everything you've got, and then you blame God because the refreshing isn't coming. And he's saying this, I need you to let go of that. Um, 
I don't want to get off topic too much on that, but I think it's important that I touch on this uh, here. Um, man, I was talking to somebody this last week, and I, I think this is true of a lot of us. Isn't it amazing how we rationalize our sin? And that you have a deep sin in your life, and I've discovered that there are very, very few sins. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say, I don't think there are any sins that you can't rationalize. That you can't say, you know what, this is this. And, and I've walked through that, man, I, to the degree, I was talking to somebody that had been in prison most of their life, and, and murder, everything, everything had been rationalized. It begins with cussing. Well, they're just words. It's cultural. It begins with things like uh, nudity, whatever else. You could bring it to whatever level. Affairs. And then I realized, wow, you can rationalize any sin in your life. And so the question I want to ask is, does it control you? Has it mastered you? And if you have something in your life that has mastered you and is controlling you, then you know if you're lying about it. Let it go so that times of refreshing would come from the Lord. But the second aspect is, so the first thing we can do is repent. But the next one, and what this message is mostly focused on is, what's one of the greatest things you can do for a season of refreshing in your life? Refresh others. Pour yourself out for others. Build up their spirits. Find ways that you can secretly do amazingly good things for the people in your life and around you. Do something to refresh the spirits of others. That's going to carry you out. And then also, simply waiting on God. These 10 plants that I have in my house, I, I just water them on Mondays. Most of them are doing good. But the problem is, some of them I'm overwatering because that's just the way it works. Some of them I'm underwatering. That's the way it works. I notice they get brown. I notice they're not doing as good. I know it's looking ugly now. So I do things to help fix it. But the truth is, everything that I'm doing is manufactured for these plants. In the end, what they need for life is that first nice day that's 70 degrees in spring where I can take them outside and they receive rain and sun and those kinds of things. That's what nourishes those plants. In the meantime, in the winter, I'm just keeping them alive, doing what I can. And I think that's so true of us. It's so true of people. You have sons and daughters and there's people in your life and you've put this incredible burden on your shoulders that you are responsible for their spiritual well-being. And you put that burden on other people and you put it on yourself. And it's like, if I'm not doing this right, then that person is failing because of me. In ministry and in elders, we are very guilty of that mindset. If somebody is struggling, it's my fault. I know I'm guilty of that. I feel that all the time. That's not true. That is not true. It's something we have a responsibility to one another. We have a responsibility to our sons and daughters. But in the end, everyone stands before God. And uh, the greatest of parents um, (laughs) have had some wild kids, you know. And the worst of parents have had some amazing kids. Um, Both can be true. But in the end, there is something that God does to meet his people. And this is what's so beautiful. Is he sends a season of refreshing and sometimes he sends a season of judgment. But he does come to meet us and he does come to meet those that we care about on the path. Um, It says this in Jude 17. This is the last verse I want to look at before I kind of close with a thought on Acts 3. Dear friends, remember that the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold 
They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you. Again, I'm going back to the parable of the wheat and the tares. There are people are sown among you that will divide you. Um, who follow the natural instincts. They don't have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring eternal life. I had to include this verse because there's two elements here that I wanted to focus on. One, what do you need to do? Build each other up in your holy faith as you wait for the mercy of Christ. As you wait for what He's going to do. These are the two elements of what we are doing together as a body. Building each other up and praying for God's provision. That He pour that out in our lives. This is the depth of what's happening. The big picture here. When Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt, it was about what was next. We're coming out of slavery. Then it was about what's next. We're coming to Mount Horeb. And when they came to Mount Horeb, it was about what's next. Moses goes up into the clouds. And they waited for Moses to come back down. And they were down there waiting. Some were praying. They were anticipating it, excited about it. Then we fall into sin and we start, we got distracted. Are we distracted? Are we worshiping other idols? But we're waiting on him to come back down from heaven, from the clouds. It is a crazy, amazing thing that Jesus was crucified on Passover. He was raised on the day of first fruits. And then do you remember what he did? He went up into the clouds. And they waited on him. And he said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait. Because the Son of Man is going to come. Just as you saw him go into the clouds, he's going to come back. Now, most people think that that's talking about a future coming where a man is going to... No. Just as they waited on this Lord to come down from the clouds, as they had waited on Moses to come down from the clouds, do you remember what day Moses came down from the clouds with the law? Pentecost. Jesus comes back down in the Spirit on Pentecost and pours out His Spirit, refreshing, giving life. This is the depth of what's happening as they're waiting on Jesus. Acts 3 happens next. And now it's still saying, wait, repent. I have something in store for you. What I'm going to tell you is this. This is a deeper study, and I'm not going to get into it right now. And it's, I don't think most of these verses are dealing with the end of the world, planet Earth. I don't think most of these verses are talking about a man coming in a cloud someday back to Earth. If I'm wrong, then you can all make fun of me in heaven. <laughs> but I don't think that's what it's talking about. I think it's talking about something way more relevant to every life and every individual that has lived for the last 2,000 years. And something very relevant to you. That Christ is not a far off being. That someday will come back. The spirit of Christ is present and real and powerful and active. And he does work in his body, visit his body. Come, just like in the Old Testament, come in judgment. Come in righteousness. Come bringing a spirit of refreshment. Now, I believe, and I know it's true from the writings of the New Testament, that that Holy Spirit indwells every Christian. 
It says that in Corinthians 3 and 6. I know that the Spirit indwells the body, that He doesn't leave us. That's why I don't invoke His presence, because I know His presence. But there is another coming of Christ that is spoken of often in Scripture that, is, that relates more to our disastrous situation, lost in our sin, lost in all of this, and praying, God, I need you to come and rescue me right now. I desperately need this. And I believe that that's something that we need to be more in tune with as a body and as individuals, that he does rescue us, that he is not far off, that he is extremely loving and extremely present. He watches our situations and our scenarios, and he's ready to pour out blessing upon blessing. And so whatever this means for you this morning, and I know I went a few different places, but just to focus this, if you are in a place where what, what's next does ask for repentance, I pray that God would give you that heart. I pray that for every single one of us, we would have that Isaiah moment where sin becomes extremely clear. Just how sinful it is. And I pray that we would have this other moment where you just say, God, I'm working and I'm putting burdens on my shoulders. I have no business putting on my shoulders because I am stuck and I cannot get out of this and nobody in this room can get me out of this. I am desperate for you and I'm praying for a season of refreshing. And if not, I'm going to praise you anyway, but I'm just asking for that. Um, And so this is more of a message of desperation from God asking him to meet our needs. And I, I want to conclude also by saying I want to thank um, the body here for what I have been witnessing happening, especially the last few months. I'm seeing a spirit of refreshing work in a lot of people here and through a lot of people here. And I want to pray that I don't slip and that you don't slip from being wheat to being one of the tares, to being something that's hurting people when they come into the body, instead be something that provides a spirit of refreshing. Oh my God, I just want to come before you and, 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 and beg that of you. Uh, that we speak and we act as before you, as before your throne constantly. You're not far off. You're ever-present. And I, I ask God that um, you would break our hearts continually before you. Um, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and discernment so that we would recognize whether our our thoughts and our actions and our behavior is harmful in your kingdom or is a spirit of refreshing. I pray that your spirit would work through us, through me, and that, God, our families would be refreshed in their spirit because of the way we are living, that our friends, that those that are closest to us would be refreshed, um, and God, I'm just, I'm just asking, Father, this year that not only this is something you do for the, your kingdom in Fort Collins, but God, that you would extend beyond that and into this community as a whole, um, that this community and this city would be refreshed because of who your people are. Uh, it's in the name of Christ we come before you, we live, and we thank you for every breath. Amen. Let's stand and worship our God.